Yo, 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 hey everyone, this is the Black Economist Network podcast. Season two, season two, so basically we've been gone for a minute, well much longer than a minute, but we are back and we're back at an interesting time. It's a really interesting time to be an economist. The whole world is is been turned upside down. Everything that's happening is unprecedented. But what we're hoping to do on the T Ben pod is to really just dive into all the topical issues that are happening in the economy, um, but also given a perspective that you may not always hear, uh, i.e., looking at the black experience. If you haven't heard of us before, T Ben is a UK based organization, and we just simply exist to connect black economists whether you're a student or professional from african or caribbean descent we want to inspire people as well we want to ultimately just influence the scene i.e addressing the lack of diversity within the economic field so if any of those things sounds you know interesting to you we do much more than the podcast you can check out our website tburn.co.uk or just keep listening um but yes, uh, you may remember me from season one. I am Joseph, but I am not alone. We, I have a brand new co-host, and I'll allow you to introduce yourself. My name is Betsy Baraki. I'm a researcher at the New Economics Foundation, and I work on well-being economics, inequality, and local economic development. And it's uh, great to be here. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That sounds really good. And I'm glad you mentioned all those things because you saved yourself from a follow-up question. Um, but what I will say is that um, it would definitely be good to get your perspective on a number of these issues. And I'm sure we'll be able to sort of dive into them in future episodes as well. Um, Betty is not our only co-host. We definitely have others who will be joining in future episodes but you can definitely, um, you know, prepare to get used to hearing our voices, uh, unless you don't like our voices, and then you can look for the other co-hosts. But yeah, well, I would encourage that. Um, but in terms of today, um, the theme for the season two, what we're going to be looking at essentially, or at least thinking through, is the word that's on almost everyone's mouth. It's the cost of living crisis. You can't go anywhere without hearing this. You can't turn to any new channel without hearing cost of living. You can't literally have a conversation these days without it coming up at some point. Um, but what I want to do, I want to sort of like go back in time and think, you know, how did we get here? How did we get to this point that, you know, the cost of living was on everyone's mouth? Because this wasn't the case, you know, four or five years ago, for example. The hot topic then in the UK was maybe Brexit. Um, so, Betty, for yourself, like, at what stage did you realize personally that, oh, yeah, we might be in a cost of living crisis, or I am personally in a cost of living crisis? Like, how did, how did, how did we get here for you? How did you realize it? I think I definitely noticed uh, an increase in my weekly grocery shops. Um, mm there was a definite rise uh, that you could like feel it you can feel the difference um there was also like an increase in rent as well um I started thinking maybe my morning coffees that I used to get every day maybe <laughs> that's not a wise decision anymore uh yeah so I hear that a lot of things really made made me feel like yeah things are changing mm -hmm. um, yeah 
no that's fair that's fair I think yeah food is a big one um when you've been accustomed to certain vices for so long and then out of nowhere just changes dramatically but I'm from that generation that in my mind a further will always be 10p so yeah. when I'm when I'm now seeing 30p I'm like, I'm like what is this it's a nonsense um but I feel you I think similarly so, so I drive um I think petrol cost was the main thing for me right. um I was used to seeing I don't know maybe it was I don't know I can't remember exactly but imagine it was like 120 you know for example p for a liter when it was going to like 160 170 p that's when I realized okay this is insane but you know what also added to it was um um you know like there was a time I think it might have been last year when people were, were queuing up for petrol like yeah. they thought we we're gonna have a shortage everyone was going into sort of like disaster mode and whatnot and you know price in that time prices were quite high as well so it just felt like yo like what is going on like yeah. I mean when people start panic buying things that's like that's almost the, the the image you have of of a crisis so there was that um but it was also like my uh, my energy bills this oh, yeah. is what this is, bills, yeah. that that hurt me the that. most because you know so obviously you may or may not know or people are listening anyway I work at the Bank of England um, particularly involved in you know like monetary policy so a lot of data analysis and we feed that towards the monetary policy committee so they can make decisions on interest rates cool nothing I say here represents the Bank of England view let me get out there now before yeah. people start trying to say that oh we're gonna give you insight no you know it's everything here is my it's my opinion it's not, not my workplace so I got out of there that's good but um so I was working on inflation this is about a year and a half ago or something or about a year ago and so i should be clued up as to you know what's happening in regards to prices and so i get a bit i get like you know i was on like a two-year fix still for my energy and i don't know i'm paying something a month something reasonable a month and it's about to expire and they say oh if you renew us another two-year fix you can lock in this price for the next two years and for some reason i just didn't respond <laughs> and I'm, t- I'm telling you I would have been paying like I don't know like 40 50 pounds I just didn't respond right. and by, t- by the time I realized oh like energy is going up let me quickly respond the deal had expired the, gone. the next fix I saw was like 120 a month I was like oh my gosh I was like what is this yeah it doesn't sink in in it um uh, I felt like uh, I'm a sham I'm not gonna cut it I'm gonna ignore the red lights I'll see you in my day-to-day job but yeah I think seeing fixed deals for bills just doubling or tripling with when I realized okay this is this is a serious issue yeah and I think I mean apart from the energy crisis it does feel that we've been it feels like we've been from you know experiencing one crisis after another for quite some time Mm. Uh, I think the UK has been experiencing a prolonged and devastating economic shock for quite some time uh yeah. we can go as far back as brexit mm-hmm. uh, and then the pandemic and then the you know russia ukraine war which impacted the energy crisis the high inflation it, it, it does feel like it's a never ending it's been a never ending amount of crises that uh yeah that has basically been devastating a lot of the low income and middle income families right now mm mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting you say that because 
I guess from like a historical perspective, there are so many factors. So right now, you know, inflation is like at the time of the podcast, like 10.1% or something in the UK that is CPI inflation. Um, and I think what's what's quite interesting from what you've said is that you you know you highlight a number of issues, Brexit, you know, supply mm. chain issues, Russia, Ukraine. But I think in when people speak of high inflation, people keep saying, you know, external shock, external shock, external shock. And in one sense, it's true. Russia, Ukraine, you know, really led to a massive increase in in gas prices because, you know, Russia in particular, you know, are, you know, one of the uh, a key exporter of, of you know, energy, um, you know, related commodities. Um, but I think the issue there is that that happened in February. And then at the time in February when Russia invaded Ukraine, inflation in the UK was over 5% already. Mm, yeah. so, so it's one of those things where you know the bank of england's you know the monetary policy committee's target is two percent you know low and stable inflation for it to already be over what the target is goes to show there were so many things happening and to just touch on one of them that i think is probably a, a, an underrated cause of inflation is basically the supply chain issues that you mentioned so obviously when it came to covid lockdown that already was it was a madness basically um and i think the funny thing is that you know with your a-level economics people are asking so what's the impact going to be are we going to be like a u-shaped recession l-shaped recession v you know yeah all that's all those questions there and people were sort of talking about how it would affect you know output but what people didn't realize is how it would affect inflation because you think if companies are locked down they can't produce then you think oh yeah i've got supply would shift inward but then if people are not spending as much as you can't go to the shops, I've got demand will shift inwards. So when you have your typical, you know, ADAS diagram, if they both shift inwards, you're thinking, okay, what's the price going to be? You're uncertain, depending yeah. on what shifts more. Um, but I think none of us anticipated um, that obviously when we think of, you know, how globalized the world is and all the trade that happens, um, with you know China being you know one of the areas that had very stringent lockdowns, that had a knock-on effect in terms of production to, to the typical type of materials that would be produced in distributed economy. Um, so if you're used to receiving a hundred items from China, and you're now receiving five items from China, supply has gone down. So therefore, people are going to sort of like charge more because you've mm. got you still got a hundred people who want it. We've only got five to go, so the price will be will be going up for these things. And so I think, yeah, the issues to do with you know um, supply chains, shipping costs going up as well, those things really drove up prices for for goods. And and I say goods intentionally because with lockdowns, a lot of like services, restaurants, theaters, they were all closed down. But if you're working from home you want to buy a shed so you can work in the garden you will now be ordering all these things you're basically buying goods essentially and so therefore goods prices were going up and that was really you know that caused you know a spike in sort of aggregate sort of like this headline inflation so i've I, I spoken for a lot but i just feel like it's uh people easily miss that narrative and how yeah things were things were really hot before what you can add to it um but i don't know what what, what do you think was maybe i don't know one of the most important drivers in us getting to where we are now in terms of like high inflation that is yeah i mean in, in terms of like 
uh, I agree in terms of high inflation, the whole thing didn't start with the Russia-Ukraine issue or even with the mini budget announcement that happened afterwards mm -hmm. that kind of like triggered another financial crisis. Uh, it definitely existed way before. Um, it, I think it's just the conditions kept worsening rather than um, improving. Um, and I think an, another issue that has existed, I think, uh, that we have in this country for quite some time now that has potentially contributed to the cost of living crisis is also the fact that uh, we are a very low wage economy yeah. uh, with, uh, you know, low wage, insecure jobs, which obviously contribute towards falling living standards. Um, and when people are barely being paid enough to afford essential things, then when you add uh, an, another economic crisis like inflation, then obviously everything becomes a million times worse. Um, and I, I think that's also another, the crisis of income, it was also another thing, or low productivity and low wage economy is also another thing that had existed way before the pandemic, uh, yeah. but nothing was being done uh, towards it. Um, I, and I was reading an article um, yesterday, I think it was like a Guardian article, like it said that nurses are among the workers who can no longer afford basic expenses today. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that's just, that's just like really baffling and shocking um, yeah. to, to have people in work who can't afford essential food or essential services and um, quite unacceptable, really. But it just shows you how many elements weren't working. And then you add, you know, the global issues of high inflation or the Russia-Ukraine war, then everything is, you know, much, much worse. Yeah, I, I think it's quite striking that you highlight the example of nurses or the article highlighted nurses, because being a nurse, it's not, it's not a job you would associate being, you know, a very low paid job and I'm, and I'm not getting into the debate as to whether they're paid enough you know yeah, I think yeah. we saw what happened during COVID or clapping but was, yeah. there, any, was there a pay rise after I'm not sure but but I guess in terms of like you know when you think of perhaps society um, jobs that are esteemed jobs that should you know have high pay or relatively low pay stuff like that um, I don't know when it comes to a nurse and the level of perhaps the qualifications you need and the expertise you need and the hours you're working as well, typically 12-hour shifts or even night shifts, you don't think that a nurse would be amongst the lowest paid. And yet for you to say that, you know, nurses are struggling to make ends meet, it's really striking. And I think the point you made about uh, a low-wage economy, it brought back, you know, the question that the UK has been facing for a long time, which is, why is productivity so low? Because when productivity is low, um, and I have a good UK level, that has a knock-on effect in terms of obviously, you know, average income average wages and stuff like that um and so the wage point you think i think you mentioned is really key because i was looking at online at how people define cost of living a crisis basically and one definition i found i think it was institute of government um i found it they said it refers to the four in real disposable incomes and when we say mm. real we're basically adjusting that for inflation and after taxes and benefits essentially and so in in essence you know if your wage is going up by two percent a year yet inflation is going up by ten percent a year then quite clearly you're losing out because 
prices for your common basket of goods that you're buying every week for your shop it's got up by 10 percent. that photo that you thought would stay 10p forever is now <laughs> zooming up yeah. and your income is not going up by as far, as quickly as that and I, and that's basically the reason why you know you're reading on the news almost every week or every month of this industry they're going to go on strike that industry going to yeah. go on strike. This this industry, or they offered their workers a four percent rise, they've rejected it, and they want at least ten percent. Well, if you're wondering why they want at least ten percent, it's not because people are being greedy, but if you're seeing you know prices all around you going up by that much, then it's only natural that you're going to say, oh, I want a pay rise. That means I can keep up with, you know, the prices. With the prices, yeah. So, so yeah, no, I think at the heart of cost of living is you know people's real income that's income adjusted for inflation like falling like sharply um which is why obviously it's people say it's a crisis because people can't afford basics anymore yeah uh, as you mentioned um and i and i think many people don't actually understand probably the scale of the problem mm. um like we did um, so Neff did analysis on this quite some time now. The numbers are probably worse now. Uh, yeah. But we found that around 23.5 million people are, are facing an income crisis and they were basically not going to be able to afford the cost of living uh, crisis. So um, say that start again because that sounds... So like- around a third of households, 23.5 million people are facing an income crisis. And this was back... This Mad. was back... Um, few months ago so the the numbers are probably worse right now uh and the number of people living in deep poverty has risen as well um Mm. so it's quite a huge and significant problem for lots of families on low to middle income uh who who have lower to middle income um so yeah it just the scale of the problem is quite quite acute and Mm. thousands of food bank services have already said that they're overstretched and they can't meet the demand. Um, so when you when you have an economy where the food bank are in crisis, uh, are unable to meet demand, it's, it, it, it kind of just shows you how deep the problem is. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. I mean, to hear over 20 million, you know, a third, that sounds, it absolutely sounds, you know, um, yeah, just the scale is, is, is insane, essentially, for lack of a better word. Um, definitely sounds crazy i guess i guess to to come back to that actually and you know you know devil's advocate or providing opposing view stuff like that i'm just wondering because you have a lot of people who are facing like an income crisis but i think on the other hand one academic theory that's been mentioned a lot is you know wage price spiral so essentially when you have prices going up um by let's say 10 percent or so and uh, if every worker now asks for a 10 percent increase in their wages um surely that will only serve to further entrench you know um the impact of inflation so for example if i'm a business owner and i've had to increase my prices through like an external shock i.e my energy costs have gone up by this much i'm going to pass that on to my customers by raising prices by this much and the consumer is saying hold on you know why am i paying this much more boss i need a pay rise of this much as well and then they get a pay rise but then i'm the business i'm like oh so people have got 
X percent more money. Let me increase my prices again. And they're like, oh, I'm paying more again. So let me ask another pay rise. So it's almost like it will, it will be like a spiral that inflation can literally keep rising until it gets out of control. I mean, do you think that's a legitimate reason for people to not be given a pay rise in the face of rising prices? I'm not saying you have to answer this now. It's just more, no, that's, think, that's something you hear about a lot, the wage yeah. pipeline, the fear of that. I, yeah, they do hear a lot of that, but I think in that scenario, what is often missed is why does why does the business owner have to, um, you know, pass on the cost onto the consumers? Like mm. nobody looks at their profit margins and to what extent <laughs> they have to, you know, contribute uh, towards uh, the crisis as well, or, or towards addressing the the levels of crisis. So I think that's that's the that's that's what I would say. It was like, let's look at the profit and make make sure that uh you know people who are wealthier are able to help and contribute towards the economy and make everything better um mm. i mean everybody is doing their bit so it doesn't make sense to just have that type of economic um analysis yeah uh, no no i, th- I think that's a, that's a that's a definitely an interesting argument and i think this uh, and we don't say that because <clears throat> It's often like households and businesses, and you're wondering about the impact of inflation on them. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, on the one hand, for households, if like you're living literally hand to mouth and you get a 10% shock, you're thinking, how on earth am I going to afford that? But if you're in business and you've got the 10% shock, but that just eats into your profit margins, you can still afford it. It's just that your margin is lower. Whereas the households at their limit definitely yeah. can't afford it. So, I think. Again, we're only speaking about, you know, with hypothetically, some businesses of sadly will go out of business because they can't keep up with rising costs. And obviously that's a sad thing. But um, but absolutely, I think you're right in the sense of um, households have to make sacrifices. Absolutely. Um, naturally, you know, if you're formally subscribing to, to Netflix and Prime and every subscription under the sun, you might have to let one of those go. Is it sad? I don't want to myself, yeah. but I might have to as well. But um. But I think for, for businesses as well, um, <clears throat> I, again, I was having a conversation with someone, I can't quote a person, <laughs> but, and they just, one of the things that was highlighted was almost that for a lot of people to be going through like a cost of living crisis, and then to hear maybe an energy company, I think it might have been Shell, recorded record profits, you know, on the year or on the quarter. Yeah. It doesn't sit well with them. And and I hear it. I'm, I'm proud of that. I hear it. Like, if you're thinking, how am I going to put my next bill? And um, the energy company is saying, oh, we just made record profits. You're going to be thinking of it. Is, is, is that right? And also other energy companies um, going out of business as well. So, yeah, no, I, this is why we have this pod. It's an error to debate these things and wonder, you know, what's 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 happening and why on the one hand are some going out of business? Why on the one hand are some households, people being evicted from their houses, can't afford the rent or whatever it is, and others are making, I don't know, more profits and, and stuff like that. So um, that definitely is interesting. Um, okay, cool, cool. I think even though we've highlighted a number, a, a number of like reasons for you know the cost of living, the fall of meal disposable incomes, um, what has led to you know high inflation in the UK in particular, um, and we went back, you know. But at the same time, you know, we definitely don't want to want to downplay um, 
even though it's not the only reason we don't want to play Russia Ukraine, um, <clears throat> obviously, really, really sad. Um, whenever you hear of war, it's obviously going to be very, very sad. Um, so don't want to just dismiss that. I guess from a sort of economics perspective, um, I guess the reason why this has been so, like, the impact has been so stark is predominantly through, through energy and, and food. Um, and I think we've spoken about energy a bit, but I think food is, you touched on it briefly, I mean, you mentioned the grocery shop, but it's quite scary to see the figures we're seeing with food price inflation. So, you know, with you, the Ukraine, for example, they are they export a lot of agricultural commodities. So like oil, I think what sunflower vegetable oil or certain grains. And the moment you have disruption there or they're unable because of the wars going on, they might be unable to get ships out and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you're going to see a sharp rise in prices because the supply of these things is now reduced. Um, and that's having a knock-on effect sort of globally. Um, so I think that I definitely wanted to shed a light on that. You know, it's not just an energy crisis here, but food as well has really been, you know, uh, a massive shock to people's, to people's incomes. Um, but I think with that in mind, energy and food, I want to sort of like switch the focus to, you know, obviously, we're not just economists, like we want to talk about black economists and the impact it will have on like the black community. So with the backdrop we've sort of just laid out about this cost of living crisis and all that's going on, energy, food, X, Y, and Z. Um, how do you feel the black community, I guess we're based in the UK, so we can focus on that now, but don't worry, we'll be touching on loads of other areas, whether it's in the Caribbean and African countries, um, North America, et cetera, um, Latin America, but um, <clears throat> yeah, what, how do you feel, I guess, in the black community in the UK is, how do you feel we're faring or how do you feel will, we are being affected by this on that? Can we make assumptions on an aggregate level or is it literally like a case by case basis? I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, so before talking specifically about the black uh, experience, um, I think in terms of what you, in relation to the energy price, I think one of the good things that uh, previous prime minister had introduced, I think, was the energy price freeze, which was like to support everyone um with the energy bills uh i think i think was it last i think last up to last year the energy price per year was around well it was just over 1000 pounds mm -hmm. and because of the energy uh price increase it was due to be around 3000 pounds uh and i think the then pm introduced this energy price freeze which would have capped energy to 2500 pounds for for 2 years uh and that would have helped uh i mean that is going to help a lot of families um i mean granted it's still twice what it would what it was like uh, pre in previous years but it would have helped a lot of families of course uh now we know that the this support is only going to last this winter and it's going to drop in April. Mm -hmm. It will end in April. Um, and there is now a huge 
uh, fear about what's going to happen, you know, um, from April onwards. And I think that will have a significant impact on people on low income, uh, you know, and, and a lot of whom are people from ethnic minority uh, groups, including black people. Um, and I think what some evidence shows um, that like some think tanks studies have shown that when it comes to black experience or any other ethnic minority groups, uh, black and other groups are disproportionately falling faster and further below the poverty line during this cost of living crisis. Um, so, for example, black and minor and other minority ethnic group are two and a half times more likely to be in relative poverty and or and over two times more likely to be in deep poverty than their white counterparts. Um, other st studies have shown that uh, black headed households have less than 1,500 pounds in their bank account, wow. like in terms of savings. Uh, and that clearly suggests that they will not be able to cope with the cost of living crisis. Um, and then a few months back, like NEF analysis has also shown that the cost of living crisis is not impacting everyone the same. So mm -hmm. for example, single female and black or other minority ethnic households are experiencing cost of living that are 50% higher than their male or white counterparts uh, as a portion of their income. Uh, so the cost of living crisis is having a devastating effect, I guess, on many households, uh, but even more extreme forms of poverty are, are being experienced by black people and other minority ethnic groups. Mm -mm -mm. No, no, that, that's firstly, yeah, I think above anything, that's just that's just sad it's really mm -hmm. sad and I think it was similar during COVID when it was clear from the COVID pandemic there was a disproportionate impact on, on the black people on you know ethnic minority groups um, for a variety of reasons um, to do with obviously areas in which they live living in densely populated areas um, <clears throat> of course the type of jobs that you know those communities of work poverty as you mentioned but obviously and we did a podcast on this in the first season so check it out if you haven't checked it out already but underlying all those things you have to ask how did these things even come to be in the first place how is it that black people are living in these densely populated areas or that they're working jobs that they're perhaps overqualified for and things of that nature and you have to look at the institutions um ultimately in in particular countries and, and, and examine okay you know what's been going on to have led to these outcomes because it doesn't just happen overnight and i think it's a similar thing at play here when it comes to the fact that you know when it comes to the accumulation of wealth or when it comes to to income i remember looking at some um stats that the ons um let me not give acronyms the office for national statistics yeah. uk um statistical body uh some stats that they provided um it's a little bit outdated because it was from like i think it was released a couple of years ago but i was just talking about you know median wealth for households you know and like literally for <clears throat> when the black african is the household head it's like 30 30k or so this is wealth not just income but most of my time this is wealth wow yeah but when it comes to your white counterparts white british had like 300k and it's like 10 times like what on earth is happening and yeah that Caribbean household didn't fare much better than that as well. And 
since that that since that date um since these, these data was released we've had two sort of unprecedented um events with that covid and of course with all that's going on in terms of this cost of living crisis and so it's one of those things where i think even though you know there's individuals within the black community and some might be doing very well might be better off and whatnot it's quite clear to see that <clears throat> based on these stats there will be a disproportionate impact on black people as a result of you know um the income type of jobs medium wealth all these type of things and i guess it begs the question of like you know um <clears throat> what can be done to to address this or to ensure that we're not just left in the mud as it were and, I, and your point about the energy price guarantee was a, a good one because that one again even though it, it I'm pretty sure the cap, the price guarantee was a cap for for everyone. It wasn't just targeted at you know yeah. maybe low income, income households. But I guess is am I right in saying the government want to introduce something else that would be more targeted, or have I misheard that? I think at some point they did, but it's it's very hard to keep up with the <laughs> all the changes changes that you know we've been here. Yeah, I, I think there there was. Um, a much more targeted support at some point that was uh, either introduced or announced i'm not i'm not uh i'm not sure don't quote me on that but um oh, yeah wow. but now obviously i mean the support for everyone will stop by april which is not reassuring mm -hmm. yeah no quick quick um google search <laughs> it helps me to say that yeah so they they've already reduced from two years to six months um, they said that they want to replace it with something more target, but we don't know what it is. And so as a result of that, you know, a lot of uncertainty and questions as to whether we'll be as generous as the previous one, which was literally cap at 2.5k, as you said. Um, we don't know how high energy prices will go in future. Yeah. Owing to the war, um, we don't know how quick it will be for the UK to come away from, you know, being reliant on russian energy um uk is in the importer of of energy so um so yeah it's it, these are i don't want to finish this on on a negative yeah. note but, but these are like our sad times these are difficult times yeah. but as i framed that at the start it's a very interesting time to be an economist we have touched on the black community but at the very same time you know even though the, the statistics are not encouraging um in terms of aggregate level um I, there are definitely things that we hope to discuss in future episodes or get a range of perspectives as to what are perspective solutions and what are things that can be done um and and, and t-burn exists to sort of like promote these ideas and to share these ideas and to facilitate discussion about these ideas that could hopefully be for the better betterment of the black community um particularly um black um among black economists in terms of you know getting more research out there on these disproportionate impacts as well um okay cool so that's me trying to encourage you to listen on because we're gonna jump into a lot of these issues in the morning. yeah we're gonna like this i think too many topics that we can delve into yep. uh in the coming you know in the coming months or, or weeks so um 
with the recent announcement like well there, there is obviously a, a fear that you know the, at the next budget public cut uh, public services cuts will be announced or public sector cuts will be announced mm -hmm. i'm sure that will have a, a, a different impact on different demographics and i'm sure we'll have ample opportunity to discuss uh yeah. solutions and and the impact of what is happening in the economy right now on 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 people yeah no absolutely absolutely um um sorry quick quick um quick on the phone there slightly slightly off um not a topic but actually related to what you said i think i saw an article that said oh um the chancellor um Jeremy Hunt went to meet like an old friend of um George Osborne who was Chancellor during the austerity cuts and it was sort of like yo like what's 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 going on there yeah <laughs> is he trying to get advice or something are we are we in for another round I thought that was quite funny because uh... I hope not uh <laughs> I hope yeah. not but I I don't even I don't even understand how we could have another round there is nothing to cut <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah no Let's um see. Yeah, yes, let's see. Right. I think, um, yeah, I, I said that as, as, as just a sort of tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, why are they meeting speculation? But, um, but yeah, as you alluded to, a lot to discuss, um, a lot of forecasts coming up. So, for example, um, it will be interesting to find out what happens in the upcoming budget in, in November. Um, so or the autumn statement, as it's now been rebranded to. Um, so we'll see what happens there, what policies are put in place. And obviously, we'll be looking to discuss them on the pod and to think through what you know, the implications will be generally, but also with a focus on the Black community. Um, but Betty, um, obviously, we've introduced the topic of cost of living. We've touched on a bit of A-level economics to sort of like, you know, define a few terms. We've also touched on from Brexit to COVID to Russia and Ukraine. Um, any, any sort of concluding thoughts or things that you want to point listeners to that will be touching on going forward? Uh, I just want to say stay tuned uh, and, and uh, yeah, keep keep listening or keep uh looking out for more episodes on tben uh and 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 let us know as well if there's anything that you would want us to discuss uh, as well or even if you disagree with what we've said <laughs> so far yeah no, absolutely we definitely don't want to sort of like you know become just yeah just subscribe to group think and just be just nodding heads without any sort of like uh challenge or opposing views so yes if you do have topics you would love for us to cover um feel free to shout us it can be on our twitter page and hashtag uh tben pod or on any social media platform or within the tben whatsapp groups we are all ears and we definitely want to cover the topics that you guys would find most interesting so definitely stay tuned the theme for this season is the cost of living so we'll be touching on that but we'll be hoping to get some alternate perspectives not only a uk-centric focus but we want to hear how you know these global issues are affecting the black community in african countries in you know the likes in certain south american countries and north america so on and so forth so do stay tuned and yeah betty thank you for your thoughts it's been real times are hard but you know it can only get better from here i guess <laughs> yeah we can only be optimistic and um thank you for having me as well i enjoyed our, our talk no worries hopefully many more 
All right. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.